Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. We're going to dive right into the scriptures, but um, I have learned so much doing this, and there are so many dimensions of what we're talking about as we're going through this again this morning. So we're going to focus in on just one dimension of it. I hope that doesn't sidetrack anybody because you can always say, well, what about this? Well, there's a, there's, there's a lot of dimensions and sometimes you just got to preach one at a time. So, so stick with me this morning. Let's, uh, let's stand and honor God's word. Romans chapter eight, verse number two. <clears throat> we learned last week, there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Uh, so then we go on to, ch- to verse number two. <clears throat> For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh." that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's pray. Lord, how I thank you for this service this morning. Lord, how we have been blessed, how we have felt your presence, how we have been encouraged. Lord, I thank you for your precious word. Lord, I thank you for the lessons you've taught me. And I pray to Lord this morning you'd remove me out of the way. Lord, let them not see me, but let them see you. Lord, I admit right now that I'm not capable of preaching. And Lord, I just fall down humbly before you asking that you would take control. Right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Let's just look at these verses, see what we can learn, and then we'll, we'll try to put it into uh, everyday life. So, again, last week we learned there's no condemnation if you're in Christ. 
and if you walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And so we're going to look at that a little bit deeper today. So it goes on in verse 2, and it says that the law of the Spirit of life, uh, that's the law that you and I now live under, is the law of the Spirit. We were made free from the, from the law of sin and death. And it goes on to say that the law could not save us. Paul has spent a lot of time talking about the law was not bad. It just simply could not be kept. You and I were not capable of doing everything God asked. So the law was good and holy, and, and it still is good and holy, but you and I, because of the weakness of flesh, we just can't do it. And, and we've discussed this many times, but everybody here does things they shouldn't do. Everybody here is not capable of keeping the law. Paul just simply making that clear. But then he says, um, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled. Verse number four, it is not done away with, it's fulfilled. So you and I are living in a, if you will, a, a living out of all of the law that we couldn't do in the flesh by the Spirit. And, and then it says that they that are in the flesh do mind the things of flesh. They that uh, are, the, are the spirit mind the things of the spirit. But listen to this. I want you guys to get this kind of real important here. Verse number six. But to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, everyone who is thinking about the flesh is dead. And they're going to die forever. And everyone who is in the spirit is thinking about spiritual things is going to, has life already and will live forever. And I would discuss last week, we were kind of, we kind of had that frame of mind. Many, maybe we're taught this way. Maybe you've heard this, that as a Christian, you're kind of back and forth. You're sometimes you're in the flesh. Some days you're in the spirit. You're back and forth. Kind of live sometimes one way, sometimes another. Someone could read verse six and they could say, this is referring to a Christian who becomes carnal. But I have a problem with that illustration because as we go, down and learn we're going to learn that you're either one or the other you're not both right you're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit but then it says very specifically um, for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against god listen it doesn't say it's hard it doesn't say it's difficult it says for it is not subject to the law of god neither indeed can be it is impossible for your flesh to be good is that not what this says plain and simple now we learn we've learned over and over your flesh if you've been here the flesh is here the soul is here and the spirit is here if you if you uh, realize your flesh no matter how hard it tries it's going to fail and your flesh still wants to sin. Hey, listen, everybody here, your flesh wants to get revenge. Your flesh wants to run its mouth. Your flesh wants to tell people off. Your flesh wants to lust. Your flesh wants to be selfish. Your self flesh wants to be prideful. Every one of us, listen, there's none of us here that are holy. Our flesh is bad. And this says your flesh cannot be good. But then my argument is... <clears throat> The verse, verse eight, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But my argument is verse nine. I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of wiggle room here. If you're, it says, but ye are not in the flesh. Who is not in the flesh? If we skip to, to where it says, if that's the answer to who, but, but ye are not in the flesh. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Is that, is that what it says? It says, you are not in the flesh, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Uh, but it says, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. So if you're truly saved and you have the Spirit of God, you're not walking in the flesh. You're walking in the Spirit. 
Now that may be a little bit of a different way of thinking, but that's what the Bible says. <clears throat> and then it says uh, that, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So if so be that the spirit of God working. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Unless I'm really misunderstanding that, this verse is saying, if you're a Christian, you have the spirit. If you have the spirit, you're not in the flesh. If you don't have the spirit and you're in the flesh, you're not saved. Am I misunderstanding that? That's it, it's, it's just that clear. So we're, we're in the spirit. We're not in the flesh. <clears throat> And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. <clears throat> so here's, here's kind of where the message is going to be. Verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. So it says if it does, but we've already learned that it does if you're saved. He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Let me translate that. Let me translate that for you. <clears throat> this guy over here is your flesh. He's no good. He can't be good if he wants to. He, can't, he, he has no ability to be good whatsoever. And then we talked about there's a soul. That's kind of who you are. That's in between. Uh, and so God's already told us this guy over here, he cannot do good at all. And last week we learned we're kind of wasting our time when we're working so hard trying to fix this guy up because that's not where it's at. But then we have a spirit that is, that is in connection with God. And that verse 11 says, if I could put it in language everybody can understand, how do we get the spirit to get that guy over there to do what he's supposed to do? Isn't that what we're trying to figure out? In other words, it does matter what this guy does. This guy's never going to be good, and working on him leaving that out is going to be a big mistake, but we've got to get that guy over there to get this guy to do what's right. And verse number 11 says uh, that, that, that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is, the, is the same power that will. It says your mortal bodies. That is re reference to your flesh. Here's the thing, guys. Every one of us got saved, but our flesh did not get saved. Your flesh is still sinful. Your flesh still wants to do what is wrong. And I don't care how long you've been saved or how good a Christian you are. Your flesh still wants to, can I tell you, can I just be realized? My flesh wants to sin. My flesh enjoys sinning. My flesh desires to sin. So I've got to figure out how to take my mortal body that I got to carry around with me till I leave here. I got to carry this thing around me. I got to figure out how to get this fleshly body that's mortal to live holy because it's no good. But there's a soul inside of me that is really me. And then there's a spirit that connects me with God. And those two together can cause my outside to start doing what it's supposed to do. Am I making sense whatsoever to you guys? Is that, is that, are you guys getting that? All right. So let, let's get into, let's get into looking at this. At, let's look at the points. <clears throat> we cannot please God in the flesh. That is just clear, plain. There's really no debate. It, it, this verse here and multitudes of others in the scripture, it makes it very clear. We cannot please God in the, in the flesh. <clears throat> I want you to get this. All the good things that we do in the flesh are still rotten. Now, I, I, you can preach a whole message here, and I, I want to go on because i got other points, but I just want to say this here. Think about all the things that are done in church in the flesh. Do you know there's a lot of singing done in the flesh? Have you guys ever seen singing done in the flesh? There's a lot of singing done in the flesh. Is God glorified? Is God saying, boy, that's exactly, listen, if you're talented and you do all kinds, but you do it in the flesh, 
God's not interested in that. God's not impressed. It's in your flesh. Is there a lot of preaching done in the flesh? There's a lot of preaching done in the flesh. And God says, you can't please me in the flesh. You can't do it in your flesh. Can you give a lot of money in the flesh? Does God care? Does God care? He said, you know, he said you could, uh, um, you, you could prophesy and, and give gifts to the poor and do all this. And you're just like a tinkling symbol and a, and a sounding brass. You, you don't, you're nothing if you're doing it in the flesh. We go on and on. I think you get the point. But isn't there, and I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but isn't there a lot done in church in the flesh for show, for recognition, for whatever? Now, here's, a, here's, a, here's one for you. What about when you come to church and you're looking for something in the flesh? Right? See, we can become a church that we're, we're doing it in the flesh and we're looking for it in the flesh. And... God says, I'm not interested in that. I, I have no interest in that whatsoever. So, so I, I think we see that point. We've talked about that before. Moving on, I want to get to the new stuff. But there, the flesh can do nothing to please God. Uh, but, but the flesh uh, was running the show, if you will, before we got saved. Now that we got saved, we've learned back a couple chapters ago, the flesh had to die. And what that simply means is we got to say, this guy here can't run the show anymore. This guy here, he's got to die out. He can no longer be in control. He dies out. So now the spirit needs to start running the show. So I hope that makes sense. I want to get on to the, the other points. <clears throat> Point number two, we are glorified in the spirit. I want you to see this. Let's look at some scriptures here. Ephesians uh, chapter two, uh, I think it'll be on the screen, but you can look it up with me and read it with me. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. I want you to get this. <clears throat> and even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible literally teaches that you, that, you're, that you in your spirit were dead. Do we get that? If you're not a Christian, this guy here is running the show. If you're not saved, the flesh is in control, it's running the show. You have a soul, which is your will and your intellect, but the flesh is running the show. But your spirit is dead. It's just dead. It, it, it's, it's not, if you're not a Christian, you don't have a spirit. It's just dead. So your flesh is running the show. And, and the Bible clearly teaches us that it is dead before you are saved. But it, then it, it, praise God, it goes on to say that after we are saved, we can, that spirit comes alive and we sit in heavenly places. So now our spirit is, is literally made alive in Jesus Christ. Uh, very familiar scripture we can all quote, or I shouldn't say that, but John, John chapter 14 and verse 6, uh, um, it says, <clears throat> And Jesus saith unto him, we, we get the first two parts of this, but I want us, we don't always focus on the last, uh, the third one. And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. Amen. I am the way. We get that. I am the truth. Amen. We get that. But then he says, and the life. You're dead without me. You're dead. You don't even realize, but you're dead without me. Listen, he's the only way to heaven. He is the truth, but he also, without him, you're dead. You are dead without Jesus. He is the only life that we have. In Galatians uh, 2.20, it, it says, uh, um, I tried to quote it, I'll flub it up, but 
again, we, I think we can quote this and we, we say it so very much. <clears throat> I can't read off the screen very good. I apologize for that, but <clears throat> let me see if I can find it here in my Bible. Galatians 2.20, very familiar scripture. It says, I'm going to have to quote it because I can't find it. <laughs> uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who hath loved me and gave himself for me. We read that, we quote that verse so often, and it is read all of the time. But do we understand what that means? I had to die. Gary had to die. But now I live, and now I'm living over here instead of living over here. I'm living in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And now I'm living in Jesus Christ. My life is no longer about me here on this earth. My life is about Jesus Christ and living in Him. So I now live in Jesus Christ. Literally, Paul said, I died. Well, no, I live. Oh, but I live in Christ Jesus. That is the Christian life. And lastly, back to our uh, where we were, Romans chapter 8. If you look down at verse 30, <clears throat> this is kind of important. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now that is a reference to a person who is a Christian, a person that is saved, and that is a reference to what God does for you when you are saved. But is there anybody here that can notice anything about that verse? The word justified, the word glorified, uh, what, what are those people? What is that, Richard? Past tense. You guys didn't get that. <laughs> Let's back up and run that one again. You're justified already. When, this is so important, guys. This, I didn't write this. Okay, God did. When, what, what does glorified mean? I'm like, Josh, you guys won't sleep on me. What does glorified mean? That's when we get to heaven. When did that happen? In the past. <laughs> you guys ought to be a lot more excited about that. <laughs> We're already justified. I'm not waiting for that to happen. I'm already justified. When am I glorified? I'm already glorified. You say, what does that mean? That means this guy over here, he's already been made righteous. And this guy over here, he's as good as in heaven right now because he's with Jesus. He's sitting in heavenly places. This guy over here, he's rotten. But this guy over here, he's glorified in the past. He's already saved and on his way to heaven. He's already as much as there. I, I don't know how to... I don't know how to... Uh, 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 how that messes up your thinking or your beliefs, but I didn't write the book, but it is very clearly, in, in, if any English teacher can tell you, ED on the end means past tense, already done. Okay, so if my spirit is already justified and already glorified, if my spirit is living in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, if my old flesh is dead, <clears throat> That ought to change everything, and that's kind of what we want to talk about this morning. So all of that, I want to get to the, the part that I want to share. I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys something this morning that, I, that I've kind of learned uh, and that is kind of my, not my strong suit, how we say that. <clears throat> Number three, 
So what controls the flesh? So this guy over here, he was running the show. He died. This guy over here, he's now, he was dead, but now he's alive. And this guy over here, he's already justified and he's already holy with God. But this guy over here, he's still bad. Are you guys following me? Is this making sense? Are you guys with me? Okay, so here's the question. That's what verse 11 was back to the text we read, uh, 8, 11. Uh, it says that the, the spirit that rose Jesus from the grave will control your mortal body to make it do what is right. How do we get this guy over here to do what's right? Isn't that the $64,000 question? I mean, isn't that the question? Everybody here is saying, I don't know, how do I get him to behave? There are a lot of Christians, we've already established in the past, there's a lot of Christians who don't live very good lives. And this guy over here is still running the show, even though he's dead. And that guy over there in the spirit, he's not doing anything. And we got to figure out, how do we get the guy over here to do what's right? How do we get this guy to be holy? How do we get him to be separated and be what he's supposed to be, uh, 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 controlled by the spirit? <clears throat> So uh, we, we can look at, uh, th this is an interesting thought, just real quickly, this is an interesting thought. So you get saved, okay? This guy dies. If you genuinely got saved, this guy did die. He's no longer running the show. If you genuinely got saved, your spirit is now alive and, and, and in communion with Jesus Christ, okay? That is what it says. Brother Vernon used to teach it, say, uh, this is an old Indian saying, and I can't quote it like he did, but it's uh, something to the effect of a uh, man had two dogs, and the one that you feed is the one that's going to be strongest. Okay, that, that, that's not how the, the saying goes. But, but if you are saved and you feed this guy all the time, he's going to become very strong. And if you do that, you're starving this guy over here. And he's going to become very, very weak. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Can Christians live that way? Yeah. How do you feed this guy? If he's mad, let him get ticked off and tell someone off. If he wants to be uh, um, uh, lusting after something, looking at something he shouldn't, just let him do it. If he wants to be preoccupied with being selfish and prideful, anything he wants, just let him feed on it. He will become stronger and stronger and stronger. He will run the show. He will be a power. And this guy over here will be so weak, he won't be able to control him because he's so strong. Am I making sense to you guys? And that's how so many Christians have, have learned to live their lives. This guy here is so strong, and this guy here is so weak. Now, we talk about feeding the soul. Do you know how you feed the soul? The Bible is pretty clear on that. It says, we desire the sincere milk of the word of God. Uh, it says that you're still on the milk. You need to go down to the meat. It refers to what feeds us as the word of God. So you feed this guy the word of God, and this guy becomes strong. When this guy becomes strong, he can now control that guy. Am I making sense to you guys? Are you guys following this? Now, here's something I want you guys to get. This is really powerful, and, and then I'll move on. When Renee got sick, now, by the way, I, me and Brother Charles have never done this, but Renee did this, okay? Um, but when Renee got sick back there in the fall, this is no exaggeration, I was, uh, I was there with her. She was sick for about two weeks. She was so sick, she didn't want to eat anything at all because she was sick. And she wouldn't drink anything. So then as the sickness started getting better, she was so sick from not eating and drinking, she couldn't do anything. And her flesh had got so weak, she couldn't hardly walk, she couldn't hardly do anything. I thought I was going to put her in the hospital. She was so, and I said, honey, you need to eat something. I don't want anything. 
Honey, you've got to drink or you're going to be, and I don't want anything to drink. I don't want to eat and I don't want to drink. Honey, you're so sick you can't do anything unless you eat or drink. I don't want anything. How many of you know this guy right here can fall into that same situation? You don't feed him. You don't go to church. You don't hear the word of God. You don't take in what the word of God says. You don't feed him something. Else. And pretty soon he says, I'm so sick, I'm not interested in eating. I'm not interested in the word of God. I'm not interested in church. I'm not interested in going there. I'm not interested in learning about the word of God. I'm not interested in changing my life. Now I want to ask you guys, can Christians do that? Can Christians do that? Can Christians come to the point where as a saved person, I'm not interested in church, I'm not interested in the Bible, I'm not interested in preaching, I'm not interested in being my brothers and sisters, I don't want that stuff. You know why? You starve that guy and now he's sick. But Paul said, Paul said an interesting thing. I want you to think about this. <laughs> but Charles, this is kind of funny. I want you to think about this. Paul said, I buffet my flesh. Can I just put that in common language? I got to whoop that guy over there. Right? Is that what he said? I buffet him. I, I let him out. I punch him in the face. Right? So I got to whoop Gary. How can I whoop Gary? How can I be Gary? I've got to make this guy strong. This guy's got to get strong. When this guy gets strong, I can beat Gary. But if this guy's weak, Gary's going to beat him. And that really determines how you live your life. You're either going to live your life all about you, selfishly sinful, wasting your life, or you're going to allow the spirit to be strong and it was going to rule that guy over there. And so that's very, very important. And, and just real quickly, let me throw this in and then I, I'll go on to, the, to what I really want to get to. <clears throat> I've always said this. I still say this. Uh, you can do what you want to with it. Um, if you genuinely get saved, the Bible says this guy died and you now have a spirit that's connected to God. If you genuinely get saved... I don't believe, I do believe you can live a sinful life. I don't believe you can enjoy sin like you did before. I don't believe that. See, I want to let you guys in a little secret. Sinning is a whole lot of fun, okay, if you're a sinner. Do you know there are people that just have a ball sinning, and it really is a lot of fun. And then a lot of them don't even feel bad about it. I mean, they go out and they do the, the, just the sinful, sinful things, and it is a lot of fun, and they don't feel bad about it, and it, they really enjoyed it. But you know, if you tell me you can do that, I'm going to question if you're saved. If you can go back and live that way and say, this is a blast. See, if you're a Christian and you want to go back and live that way, you'll be miserable. It doesn't say you can't. It just says you're going to be miserable. Okay? So that's something. But I, I want to get on to, the, to something uh, that, that is new. So I want to give you two tools uh, to, to make this guy over here behave. This guy over here is going to control this guy over here, okay? <clears throat> we already have covered, and we're going to just quickly go over this real, real quickly. We've already covered feeding the Word. So there's two tools that we need. We need to feed the Word of God to this guy over here. We've, we've said that so many times, I'm not going to spend any time with it. This guy will be weak unless he has the Word of God, okay? Everybody with me on that. you got to teach him what the Bible says, but there's a missing ingredient. I learned some things, okay? I, I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still figuring this thing out. I've, I've learned some things. And God's really been dealing with me on this. And, you know, we all have our uh, weaknesses. I guess this is my weakness. 
So this guy over here, if you don't give him the word of God, if he doesn't go to church and absorb the word of God, he's going to be weak. He's never going to be able to control that guy over there. But you guys know that you can give this guy the word of God and he still needs something else. Because what do we say around here a lot? You're getting it up here, but you ain't getting it down here. Right? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, here's where I'm a little bit out of my uh, comfort zone. My, my second tool is going to uh, astound everybody. But God's been teaching me this. Not only do we need the Word of God, but we have to engage our emotions. You believe I said that? We have to engage our emotions. I'm going to try and show you what that means because God's really been teaching me this, and it's, 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 it's really kind of uh, um, really changed the way I look at everything. So let, let's look real quickly, uh, just as we don't mess, mess this up. I want to look at the emotions that don't work. So if you give this guy over here, if you give your spirit an emotional uh, tingle all the time without the Word of God, does that make this guy over here better? I am a little bit. All right, this guy over here might be crying. And how many of you ever been in church and seen someone who was living a very carnal life and a very simple life and in service got emotional and they cried and boohooed and went up to church, said a whole bunch of things about they love Jesus and he's the most important thing to them. And then he went back, back out and lived just like they did before. <laughs> it didn't change anything, right? Because if you're absent from the truth, the emotions aren't going to fix you. But there is, there is such a thing as you know all the facts, you just ain't living up to them. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but we've been learning a lot of stuff in this church. We've, we've been just pouring the Word of God into you, Sunday school, and, and it's preaching, and everything has been going on Wednesday night services. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I just wonder if there's anybody here in this whole congregation that's learned more than you've actually lived up to. <laughs> Peyton says, me! <laughs> right? Well, listen, we all are. We're all learning things, and we say, I know what God wants, but you're not yet doing it. And so how does God, so we learned before that in between your body and your spirit, your flesh is sinful, your spirit is right, God, right in the middle is your soul, which is actually you, is actually what that is. Um, and you have a mind and you have a will, an emotion, right? So, so in order to control the spirit, I have to get to the mind and to the emotion, and this, then the soul can help to control this, this flesh. <clears throat> so... The mind knows what's right. It's wrong for me to get mad. It's wrong for me to be selfish. It's wrong for me to be prideful. I should be giving. I should be reading. I should be going. We, our mind knows what is right, but sometimes we still don't do it. Let me just stop right here in, in this message because this is a little bit new for me, okay? Is there anybody here? Am I the only one? Is there anybody here that maybe inside your head where you wouldn't tell anybody if you've ever thought to yourself, why is it I know what I'm supposed to do, but I never do it? Does <laughs> anybody here ever think that? I mean, you don't want to say that out loud. You don't want to tell your past that. But does anybody say, I, I believe what they're saying. I just ain't doing it. Does anybody like that? I mean, I mean, I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian, and I know the truth. I know how I'm supposed to be, but I ain't doing it. And I think that one of the missing elements is engaging our emotions. I'm going to try and show you what that means. <clears throat> This is not my strong suit. You guys know that. But there is something I have noticed for a long time. There is something about you can know it and not feel it, and it doesn't do anything. But you know, if you feel it, it will move you to do something. Okay? 
And you guys all know I'm not a big emotional guy. I'm not a big uh, touchy-feely guy. That, that's not really my, my thing. But I am understanding that a lot of things you get up here, it doesn't do a whole lot of good until you get it down here. Once you get it down here, it's full speed ahead, right? I could bring up here this morning, I know how you good people are. Uh, I, I know that all of you are, are, are crazy generous, and, and most of you are just over-the-top givers. And I could bring up some, maybe we've got some little child, some little orphan that needs something. And, and so, I, so you knew before you come into church that, uh, that we are to take care of the poor. But if I brought that little orphan up here and it got a hold of your soul, you guys would be writing out checks and spitting out money faster than I'd know what to do. Am I telling the truth or am I telling the truth? That, that, you know why? Because it engages your emotions. Once you're, you already knew it in your head, but as soon as the emotions kick in, it just, it takes over. You just do it. And so there is something about, uh, um, there is something about the emotions, uh, controlling this. So, so again, we're trying to figure out how do we get the flesh to be good, the spirit wants to, the soul stuck in the middle. The soul now knows the knowledge, has the knowledge, but the soul not controlling the flesh how do we get the soul to move over and take care of the flesh i believe it is by engaging the emotions let me show you what i mean anybody ever had i have a few illustrations to try to help you understand this anybody ever so you're going to sand hill church you've been hearing the truth you've been hearing how you're supposed to live your life you've been hearing what you're supposed to put away what you're supposed to be doing but you ain't doing it okay we've all been there maybe you're all there now okay Anybody ever been in knowing that you're not doing what God said and your life fall apart? I mean, your life just completely falls apart. Maybe a tragedy happens. Maybe, you know, life just gets really, really bad. You know what you then do? Your emotions kick in. And here's sometimes what your emotions say. Maybe if I would do what God says, things would get better. Is anybody with me? <laughs> Are you guys following? Your life falls apart. What it is is you had the knowledge before, but life was going good, and you thought, you know what? I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to. I've still got a pretty good life. And then life falls apart. And you say, where did that train come from? And then you say, maybe if I get my life straightened out, things would get better. And the emotional hurt is strong enough to control this guy right here. Am I making sense whatsoever to you guys? It makes this guy behave because it hurts bad enough. Give you another for instance. <clears throat> I'll pull on some heartstrings here. How's that? <clears throat> you have rebellion in your life. You're, you're, a, you're a Christian. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You, but you, you've been hearing things you should be doing. God's been working with your heart. You know there's some things you should do, but you ain't doing it. Your child gets real sick. Your grandbaby gets real sick. You know what you do at that point? God, I'll do anything. There's nothing you can't ask. Now, why wouldn't you do that before that happened? Why wouldn't you do that? You say, preacher, that sounds mighty weak and mighty carnal. I didn't design this thing, okay? I'm just telling you, I know we get it up here, but I've watched you guys and the guy who's been working with my heart. I have seen how those things work. When it starts to get in your heart, it starts to change things. You can know it in your head and rebel against God, but when God gets a hold of your heart, you all of a sudden, I'll do anything you want to, God. I've seen it out of all of you guys. I've seen it out of all of you guys. You hurt bad enough. You want it bad enough. Your, your, your emotions are engaged strong enough, and you will all of a sudden say, God, I'm not fighting anymore. I'll do what you want. Wouldn't it be nice if we could bypass that part and just go right straight to the obedience? So God said it. I'm going to do it. I don't need to be 
have my life fall apart. But you know, there's hardly anybody designed that way. Almost all of us, God says, well, you ain't listening. Let's send you, let's send you a shipwreck. See how that works out for you. And when you get there, he's like, oh, God, I'll do anything you want to. We come around the church all the time. If you, and we hear things like as people pull me back in my office, they pastor, I just don't understand. I love Jesus and I've been living a good Christian life and I'm doing all this here. I just don't understand why my life fell apart. But the truth is, maybe you were living a good Christian life, but there are some things he wants you to change and you didn't want to change. And he says, I know how to get your attention. Does anybody here knows, thinks God knows how to get your attention? And we talk about, now I don't know that there's anything stronger than, than grandbabies, okay? Uh, that, that's about as strong as, as anything that, can, that I can think of that would be on your will. But, but do you know personal sickness can get your attention? Personal sickness can. I mean, you're sick and you're sick and you pray and you pray and you pray. Here's, what God, here's how God works. <clears throat> oh, God, I'm so sick. Will you please heal me? Uh, can we talk about what you did yesterday? No, I don't want to talk about what I did yesterday. I want to talk about you healing me. I want to talk about what you did yesterday. No, I want to talk about you. And God says, well, when you're ready to talk about what you are disobeying me on, I'll talk about healing you. And you know what you say? I give. I'll, I'll do it now. I'll, I'll do what you want. If you'll heal me, I'll do what you want. I'm saying when the emotions are engaged, it all of a sudden makes us very cooperative. And I've just noticed that without that, it, it very often uh, we we rebel against God. We we have the head knowledge, but we don't we don't have the willingness to do it. And, and so far, <clears throat> what about this? <clears throat> I don't know if this will apply to any. We got some preachers in the church, <clears throat> but I think it applies to some of you that aren't preachers. <clears throat> so you know what you're supposed to be doing, but the ministry's not working right. It's you know, you're pastoring a church and, and you have all the head knowledge, but things aren't going exactly as they should be. You can just tell God's not blessing. It's not working. Things aren't going well. You know what that will, if you really love the Lord, you know what that'll cause you to do? That'll cause you to humble yourself down and say, God, I'll do anything if you'll make the ministry work. I, I don't know if anybody understands that. But what that is, is my emotions got engaged to the point that I was willing to do whatever I had to do. And, and I could go on and on and on. I hope that's making sense. But knowledge is an absolute must. You guys know how I feel about knowledge. If you don't know the Bible, you're, just, you're not going to live right, plain and simple. But you do know the Bible, and the emotions get engaged. This guy here is going to get run over because this guy here is going to have to do what's right because the soul and the spirit are going to just, just push him out of the way and do what they want to. Anybody here ever did something absolutely ridiculous in the flesh? Because your spirit and your soul were so excited. <laughs> and now your spirit is so excited, you say, I'm gonna throw common sense on, I'm just gonna do something crazy because I'm just, I'm just so in love with Jesus. And your flesh just gets bulldozered over. That's really how we're supposed to be living all the time, right? That's how we're supposed to be living all the time. <clears throat> I had something happen to me yesterday. This is very uncomfortable for me, it's very awkward, but I wanna share it with the church. I, I kind of feel like I should share it. And I, I've tried to be transparent. This is a little more transparent than I like to be. But I've been thinking about this message for some time, and, and, and it really been on my heart. And, and you guys know this is not really my strong suit. And I know, I know a lot of things in my head. Sometimes I got to get it down in my heart. And yesterday, during the day, a little unusual, I got several texts from you guys. 
And if I could just boil it down and, and, and make, and again, this is very uncomfortable for me, but if I could just boil it down what all of the text said that I got yesterday, you know what they said? Pastor, I need you. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> See, I often think in my thinking, I know what I know what I'm supposed to do, but a lot of times in my heart, I don't feel like there's that anybody cares. And I often, you know, I'm I'm really bad for it. Well, nobody likes me and everybody's against me and, and nobody cares if I care and all those thoughts like that there. And it was like yesterday when a dealer was dealing with this message, I started getting texts and started saying, Pastor, I need you. Pastor, I need you. And it was like the Lord was saying, I'm going to squeeze on your heart a little bit <laughs> to get you to do what you're supposed to do. And I don't know if it makes sense to anybody, but I do believe that God, I have watched God get a hold of all of you guys over the last years by squeezing your heart and getting you to do what you need to do. You say, Pastor, can we just skip that process? <laughs> I'd like to. But when we are knowing and we're not doing, God can get our attention. And He usually does. And it hurts. But I've been hurt really bad, and then I started obeying, and I thought that was worth what I went through to get me where I need to be. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.